Welcome to Today's Issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to you, our listeners. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I am joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. Made it in on another hot day. 81 degrees at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, This man. is not right. No, it's not. This is not right. It's 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 kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, June is not usually the month. We do get usually have some hot weather in June. And when I say we, I'm talking about where our flagship station is for American Family Radio Network here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Usually July and August are the killer months, but this is turning out to be Pretty bad. And I think pretty well for most of the country, they're experiencing very unusual temperatures. Yes. Uh, I think up in Minneapolis, I was checking this morning, it was around 75. Yeah. Four o'clock. For Minneapolis, I mean, that's usually a high in the summertime. Yes. Uh, So, you know, lots of folks are sub. As you've been saying through the week, uh, be checking on folks, be checking on seniors, because particularly in the northern tier of the country, Air conditioning is a norm down here. Yes. A lot of folks up north do not have air conditioning. Uh, They don't need it for the most part. But you get into times like this, and it's really tough. And that's why a lot of communities, uh, they're opening up, uh, you know, police stations and making sure libraries and all that sort of thing that have air conditioning so folks can get in and stay cool during this time. So uh, we're hoping this thing passes pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and it's also worse in big cities because they call oh, yeah. them, they become a heat island Yes, because of all the asphalt and everything. Yeah. It just traps and holds mm-hmm. the heat. So, uh, yeah, check on uh, folks at your church or your neighbors or family members who may be elderly who are particularly susceptible to the heat. Nobody likes it, and anyone can be stricken by heat-related illnesses, but especially check on the elderly, and I do hope it it, it passes. I mentioned jokingly uh, one day earlier this week, I'm not big on thunderstorms because mm-hmm. of what can come with those, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm praying for a few thunderstorms to come and uh, kind of break the heat, but I'm not even sure that would work. I mean, this is – it's some sort of high-pressure area or whatever that's keeping, keeping the heat yeah. trapped or low-pressure. I don't remember. It's something to do with pressure. But. Amen. So, all right, and Chris Woodward joins us. Good morning, Chris. If I may add something, air conditioning is the greatest invention of humankind, um, greater perhaps than even the calculator. Well, listen, I'm not going to argue with you when it's uh, supposed to be uh, up near 100 today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That, you know, air conditioning along with, like Tim always says, bacon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay, Uh, those uh, makes life worth living. One positive about all this is – we're now in that period in the South where you can eat whatever you want to for breakfast because you will sweat it off walking from the car to the office door. Yes, that's right. It's the I, Nehemiah 810 diet. Eat the fat, drink the sweet. <laughs> okay. that's you, know, you should have written a book on that. It's biblical. Let me, let me just say one other thing, and then we'll get to some serious news, yes. folks. And believe me, by the time 1130 hits, <laughs> you'll be begging for something like this, okay? <laughs> But I have I have mentioned on the air that growing up, I only had store bought tomatoes. That's all I ever ate. Okay. When my I married a girl from Mississippi. When I say growing up, I grew up in the New England area. Uh, my wife from down here in the South. When we were engaged, came down to meet her family. She asked me. She her 
parents had a garden. Uh-huh. Did you would you want some? You want a tomato with your with your supper, or lunch, or whatever? I said, no, I don't like tomatoes. <laughs> and she and I told her, I said, you know, had them growing up, just didn't like them. She said, well, you got to try this one. Wow. I was a skeptic until I tried it, uh-huh. and now we're eating tomato sandwiches at night. Yeah, gotta, on toast and sourdough bread with mayonnaise. I'm telling you. Mighty good stuff. It is good stuff. So salute to the folks down here in the south who grow their own tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And my thanks to the in. Amish, especially. I have some coming in, tomatoes. My wife keeps asking me, do we have tomatoes yet? No. Okay. No when tomatoes yet, huh? Uh, yeah. All right, Chris. I guess our, our our listeners are clamoring for bad news. Oh, so, yes. So let's, let's, well, let's give what they want. Well, what better segue than to point this out? The Supreme Court issued opinions today. Uh, but not in the cases that we have been telling you for several days now. We're going to be coming down. Uh, looks like we got rulings and cases. I'm not familiar with these, but they include American Hospital Association v. Becerra, Viking River Cruises v. Moriana, and another one out of Texas. Uh, they declined to hear a case involving Arizona and the city and county of San Francisco. All that to say, we still don't know how they're going to come down on the abortion case, as well as the case involving Coach Joe Kennedy. That could change later today. We'll see. Uh, I feel like I'm a broken record because I keep coming to these today's issues meetings where we talk about things we're expecting to discuss. And, and I keep saying, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but today's an opinion day. Again, still no decision from these cases, but uh, there is time for you to still pray that they may come down the way that you want them to come down on these issues. Fred, let me ask you this. The the fact that the leak in the Dobbs case, that's the big abortion case where pro-lifers are hoping that the Supreme court will overturn Roe versus Wade send the abortion issue back to the states where we all think it belongs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was leaked, I think, um, May 2nd, um, somewhere in that. About a month and a half ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I- any concerns on your part that uh, maybe the Supreme Court is uh, being influenced by some of the intimidation? Or do you think this is just a case of uh, we'll release it on our way out of town? You know, um let me be a little bit optimistic. Obviously, I don't know the hearts of the justices. If I was a betting man, I would say justices like Clarence Thomas, right. uh, Alito, uh, whatever their decision was more than a month and a half ago, they're going to stick with it. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've just got a feeling that these justices, uh, along with being concerned about their lives and their, the lives of their families, because we know these demonstrators have been showing up outside right. their houses— I have to feel that at this point, when they make it to the United States Supreme Court, they are not going to be intimidated by all the noise out there. Whatever they decided, and we believe that came along a couple of months ago, the leak came along about a month and a half ago, I I think they're going to reason to themselves, hey, this is the way I felt, and I put this in writing. Right. I feel this way about Roe v. Wade because, and I'm going to stick with it. I think we will have three votes to keep Roe v. Wade, and we'll have six. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Roberts will go with the other three liberals. I'm, I'm not sure. But I do believe that Roe v. Wade will be overturned, and I think they are determined not to let all of this noise, some of it literal, these protesters outside their houses, and all the media, and all the uh, people out there that are saying this this will be terrible for women, this is jeopardizing the re- reproductive rights. I'm just quoting the left here. Right. Reproductive rights of women. 
I, I just believe that whatever they wrote back a couple of months ago on this, they're going to stick to it. Just, just stop and think. If they allow themselves to be intimidated by protesters, by the media, uh, they have to live with that the rest of their lives. Yes. That, that really they, they felt one way about this law, but I'm going to change my mind in order for the liberals to leave me alone. I just don't think when you reach that point in your career in the judicial system uh, that they're going to be intimidated. Well, and there would, it would be difficult to imagine another chance coming. Yeah. in our lifetimes yeah. to overturn Roe versus Wade. Yes. I mean, you either do it now mm-hmm. uh, or you just don't do it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm guessing that, again, Roberts, I don't know. I agree with you. I think it'll be 6-3. I think Roberts, who's sometimes a little uh, wishy-washy, mm. in, my, in my opinion, I think he goes with the conservative majority so that it doesn't look like a split 5-4 ruling that I think that increases the tension. You're not going to you're not going to make happy the pro-abortion people anyway. But a, yeah. a six-three ruling it looks stronger and looks, I think, looks better for the majority of Americans than a split decision. And we have to remind people what this decision would if it's six to three to overturn Roe v. Wade. What it is doing is just putting it back to the states to decide. Yes. This is not wiping out abortion rights in this country. Which we would all be in favor of, but it's not what the left is saying it is. Exactly. Be very careful about the mainstream media, and I know our audience uh, are are very bright, very intelligent. They know what the mainstream media is all about. Right. This does not end, sadly, uh, the right to kill the unborn. But it'll be up to the states to decide. We now know there's 20-some, maybe Chris can tell us, there's at least 20-some states that have already passed trigger laws or whatever the case may be. Yeah. That they'll become more conservative in their, in their abortion policy. Explain what you mean by a trigger law. A trigger law is if Roe v. Wade is done away with. There are pieces of legislation. In some cases, they have been passed into right. law, but they're being challenged that once Roe v. Wade is overturned, these laws will then become effective Yes. in order to limit 15-week or whatever the case may be. Uh, what, there's one state, almost all abortions would be eliminated. That's Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's, it's been labeled the most restrictive uh, abortion state in the country. That's how the mainstream media puts it. And the reason I say that is because they actually go above and beyond what Texas recently did. Oklahoma now bans most abortions after conception. The one exception, there is a rape and incest exception, but uh, the legislator that was behind the bill, I interviewed him, he said um, they still want you to report those instances to police um, in order to be allowed to have an abortion. Texas is uh, most abortions after a heartbeat is detected. Usually around six weeks. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I, you know, I've just got this feeling it's it may come out on a Friday afternoon. Uh, you know, I've, I've always told the guys in the newsroom, in the summertime when you think it's going to be slow on Friday afternoon, yeah. you got to hang around. Well, because a lot of a lot of things are done on Friday afternoons. Oh, they are. Just for for this consideration or that consideration, mm-hmm. you'll have a president who uh, signs a, an executive order yeah. on a Friday afternoon. They try to hide it mm-hmm. in the uh, noise of the weekend. Yes. 
so that by Monday, nobody's talking about it anymore, and they can yeah. maybe dodge some criticism. We are on watch. Yeah. All, All right. right. Chris, uh, what else we got going on? Well, speaking of criticism, uh, Joe Biden is continuing to criticize oil companies for price gouging. That's how he's referring to it. Uh, regarding high gas prices. Uh, there's a story out today. NPR has this, Axios, as well as Fox Business. Uh, Biden is apparently threatening oil companies with what he's calling emergency powers if they don't boost supply amid the inflation spike. He wrote a letter to uh, letter to various oil executives and says, there's no question Vladimir Putin is principally responsible for the intense financial pain that American people and their families are bearing. But amid a war that has raised gas prices more than $1.70 per, per gallon, historically high refinery profit margins are worsening that pain. He goes on to say, you know, you guys need to step it up and, and increase your production here. This is the same president who, by the way, wants to reduce the amount of production going on in these United States of America in an effort to save the climate from what he considers harmful emissions. Yeah, so uh, the oil industry is bad. And he wants to, I'm, I'm just putting in very simplistic language. President Biden believes the oil industry is bad. We want to move away from it. We want to produce less of it. Uh, but now that high prices for gasoline threaten the Democratic majorities mm -hmm. in the Senate and the House, now I want the oil companies to produce more of that stuff that's so bad for us. Yes. And I'm going to go to Saudi Arabia and let them produce more. Yeah to try to dodge the political consequences of my foolish actions. Yeah, I do have I some sound. that correctly? Yes, you did. Uh, it was perfect. Uh, I, I got some sound yesterday from um, uh, Dan Kish of the Institute for Energy Research. Uh, he was uh, telling us that it's sad. Biden is reportedly going to Saudi Arabia, of all places, to ask for oil. Clip three. The United States has huge amounts of energy. We have the people, the know-how. We invented hydraulic fracturing. Uh, to be begging other people for oil from abroad uh, when it is God-given right under our own feet, uh, but for the government's own actions, is uh, the height of uh, irresponsibility, frankly. Well... Fred, I mean, what? I'm just, I'm sorry. If, if President Joe Biden thinks the American people are buying his lines, right. it's Putin's price increases. Right. No, it's not. No, it's not. You declared war on the fossil fuel industry in this country. Day one. Day one. Keystone Pipeline, we're shutting it down. He put thousands of people out of work that day. Yes. That day. Day one. But. They got to go and get really good-paying green jobs. Uh, yeah. That was his explanation. That was his explanation. And now it's the oil company's fault. Chris, has, as you pointed out, uh, oil companies do not set the prices. No, they don't. Uh, a lady from the American Petroleum Institute, specifically the Pennsylvania chapter, said as much yesterday in a hearing in Harrisburg where they were talking about high energy and utility prices. She said, we don't set the price. The market does. Yes. So that's that's the bottom line. Listen. Every poll that I have seen in the last month reflects where Americans are with this. That's why Joe Biden's numbers are plummeting. They are plummeting. They are some of the worst in history for a president that's just two years into his presidency. Everybody knows what's going on. They understand, despite the best efforts of the mainstream media to prop this man up, mm -hmm. it ain't working. 
It ain't working. Well, and and here's an here's another thing. Again, I, I'm not an obviously not an economist. That's probably one of my weakest areas of background knowledge. But the president seems to think that the oil companies in the United States are the only ones out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's OPEC. There, there's all sorts of oil producers out there. Mm-hmm. And as as you're talking about, Chris. The, the market sets the price of a barrel of crude oil, not just the oil companies in the United States. If the oil companies in the United States were price gouging, then uh, oil from elsewhere could be – there's competition, in other yeah. words. So um, I, I think it's clear that President Biden is feeling intense heat because every indication – is not only is he losing popularity, it's mm-hmm. plummeting, uh, but his party is in danger of really getting yeah. uh, drilled. How about that? Uh, drilled in the November election. He went out yesterday and spoke to the AFL-CIO union people. Right. Who he thinks, these are my people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right? <laughs> but it, it's clear that he understands his messages. I mean, he, he says he doesn't doesn't really care about the polls. Yes, he does. Uh, this is just a short clip from that speech yesterday. you got to listen to this, folks. Cut number one. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. <laughs> that's, I'm, that's I'm, I'm sure. Fox and Friends this morning. Yep, that's the first piece of truth the man has told. He, he is changing people's lives. Now, he thinks we're doing great things for the American yeah. people. Uh, he thinks that he says that. I know he knows he's lying. That is, uh, it is factually accurate to say they are changing people's lives because, and we've talked about it on the program, you have people now making a decision between going to the doctor's office and going to the grocery store. Yeah, we played that clip of that doctor yesterday. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, for a single mom out there driving a beater, trying to raise two kids on her, I don't know, secretary salary or whatnot, um, she can't afford to go to work. She can't afford... People to watch her kids, and the and the Democrats' answer is just go buy an electric car. Yeah, it's insane. It is. Yeah, Jennifer Granholm will come out. The energy secretary will say, you know, this wouldn't be a problem if you had an electric car. And then she gets back on an SUV, which is sucking gas, and drives in a fleet of SUVs back to the airport, in which she gets on a giant emitter to fly back to uh, to DC, where she gets uh, a, an SUV ride to work every day. Yeah. Joe Biden's comments, as well as Grant Holmes and a lot of other people, they they show that when you have been in office for as long as these people have been, somehow, some way, you're you have no idea what's going on in America. Joe Biden has been in some sort of office for fifty years. Yeah. Right. And we pay his lifestyle. So he doesn't understand because he's not having to work for it. We're giving him the money. I'm not sure we're the only ones kicking in for his Listen, pocket change if the american some people other countries doing it. yeah and he keeps coming out and saying look you know i come from a family where when the price of food and fuel went up we felt it if the american people had a nickel for every time he's come out and said that in just the last few months we wouldn't have a problem with five dollar gas prices yeah well this is uh uh john mccain famously said when he was alive and lost the election to president to then uh to candidate uh barack obama uh, John McCain said elections have consequences. Yep. And that is, that's the truth. And that is what we're experiencing right now. Elections have consequences. That's why, by the way, typically the midterm election 
the results usually go against whatever party's in power and especially whatever party has the White House is because there's usually some buyer's remorse Mm -hmm. because of all the promises that are made that get someone into the White House and then midterm elections come along and people are a little disappointed that the promises aren't coming to pass. Uh, But in this case, this is not just about promises. This is about the uh, absolute pain that a lot of Americans are in, and they are not buying the explanations, the excuses of the Biden administration. And as proof of that, uh, we had a special election in Texas last night, Uh, one of the southern uh, congressional districts in Texas that has been in the Democrat hands for years. It flipped to a uh, Republican, Myra Flores. And she, she, her family moved to the United States from Mexico many years ago. So she's Mexican-born. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think she's one of the first Mexican-born. She's the first. The she first. is the, the first. And uh, so, uh, and this was a special election, so she'll have to run again mm-hmm. in November. Uh, but this is an indication that even uh, amongst, uh, again, Hispanics, which Democrats claim that's our constituency, Hispanics. Right. She was saying last night, no, 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 no. <laughs> Hispanic people are feeling the pain right. of Joe Biden's economic policies. They're feeling the pain. And a lot of Hispanic p- families, despite what the mainstream media and the Democrats like to think, they're entrepreneurial, they're being hurt by this, and they also don't like the fact that Joe Biden opened up our southern border and we have millions of illegals that have entered this country. That have, that have helped drive down wages for Hispanic Citizens, exactly, because they are now competing. Yes, with the others who are here illegally. By the way, I think this is a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Myra Flores, she her family moved to this country from Mexico when she was six years old, and this to me is the way immigration is supposed to work. Yes, you come here legally, mm-hmm. you fulfill your dreams, and I think this is a great story. She flipped a seat that was in the Democrats' hands for ten years. And this was this was another Hispanic candidate. Yes, I mean uh, can, candidate congressman, a pro-life Democrat, Dan Sanchez, who who said I'm I'm done for whatever reason I'm retiring. Yep. And uh, so uh, yeah, I, I you know I think under the four years of Donald Trump, uh, both uh, uh, blacks and Hispanics in this country did better. Yes. Than they had under uh, the Obama years. Uh, that's why uh, Republicans earned some trust from those minority communities, not a whole lot from the black community, but a few percentage points. And so now they're being hurt. Yes, They were helped mm-hmm. under the Trump administration. They prospered more. Now they're being hurt mm-hmm. by these increasingly socialist policies. And I think the Democrats can see some of the Democrat- demographic trouble they're in, especially in the Hispanic community. You know, we're hearing incredible numbers. Some of the uh, political prognosticators, we're talking maybe 30, 40 seats flipping in the House to Republican. And it's looking more and more uh, the Republicans could take the Senate as well. Well, uh, listen, uh, like John McCain said, elections have consequences. And we are just two years, not even two years, But coming up in November will be two years Mm -hmm. since the 2020 election. A lot has happened. Yes. And most of it is bad. Mm -hmm. And people are, and and let's not even talk about 
uh, Hispanics being family-centered, coming from a Christian worldview, seeing their kids being fed all this uh, sexual orientation, gender identity stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's also complaints about uh, socialism and Marxism in public schools. A lot of Hispanics are fleeing that and have fled that in, yep. in the past. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to American Family Radio. We will return with more of today's issues. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. What's your favorite place to visit when you go to the Holy Land? Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. That's a question I get asked frequently, either before we go to Israel or while we're there with the folks that we see the Holy Land with. And I have to say, my favorite place is, and there's so many places to visit, it's like picking your favorite child, right? Which child do you love the most? So it's hard to say, but I gotta tell you, going to the Sea of Galilee, getting on the boat and riding out to the middle and then having a worship experience there with the folks who are with us, it's just hard to put into words. For all the information on our March 2023 trip to Israel, go to the website twholyland.com twholyland.com. Everything's there, the cost, the itinerary, etc. Join us, won't you? Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Sports Illustrated may as well be called Woke Illustrated. Long ago, they used sports to advance a radical political and social agenda. They led a fierce defense of transgenderism in sports. They defended Colin Kaepernick's personal jihad against the national anthem. At the same time, they rebuked conservative athletes and Christian athletes like Tim Tebow. Their latest target is Joe Kennedy, the high school football coach who was fired because he took a knee to pray after a football game. Coach Kennedy sued Bremerton High School, alleging religious discrimination and his case has been heard before the Supreme Court. Sports Illustrated warned if Coach Kennedy is allowed to pray on field after games, it would lead to the erosion of a bedrock of American democracy. They wrote a massive attack on the coach, accusing his supporters of being Christian nationalists, which is ironic, seeing how our currency clearly states we're one nation under God. Sports Illustrated believes it's okay to take a knee to protest America, but it's a crime to take a knee to pray. I'm Todd Stern. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5.1 American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. 
Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back, everybody. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. Now we welcome to the program Abraham Hamilton III, who is general counsel for AFA and host of the Hamilton Corner Heard Weekdays at 5 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. Abe, welcome back to today's issues. Thank you very much, Ed. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. We are a little disappointed. We thought maybe we would be having you on to talk about a major ruling from the Supreme Court, but they uh, appear to be playing this pretty close to the vest. And um, let me just, t- but we, we do have an issue we're going to talk mm-hmm. to you about. Chris is going to introduce that here in just a second. But um, is is there any chance that the uh, that the Supreme Court, their, this term ends uh, June 30th. Uh, does the Supreme Court ever kick rulings past the end of the term? Yeah, there, there, that that is a possibility. Um, some that I know some friends of mine even who are thinking that we could end up in July. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but their their mindset is that maybe some of the Supreme Court has decided, especially in light of, um, you know, I don't know the attempted murder charge. Right. Um, one guy hanging around uh, Justice Kavanaugh's house uh, that want to allow the justices to get out of D.C. when the ruling is released. Um, obviously that's speculation. So I don't know how. A meritorious that is if you look at the supreme court's history and again this is speculation on my part um some of its most socially controversial uh, opinion releases have occurred the very last week of june um the obergefell opinion was released in june so um i do think it's going to be released prior to the uh, june 30th expiration but th- there is nothing legally that requires them to do so prior to july or something like that okay all right. Well, um, Abe, we did want to talk to you um, about uh, a law. I think this is in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Chris, why don't you uh, introduce us? Uh, and uh, Abe, we, we want to find out your take on these kinds of laws. Yeah, I'm going to include a soundbite here and then toss it over to you, Abe, for uh, some analysis. Um, let's back up a, a little bit. Earlier this year, Lincoln, Nebraska, the city council specifically passed one of these so-called anti-discrimination ordinances Uh, that they said extended protections to people of sexual orientation and gender identity um, issues. And uh, within a matter of days, an organization called Nebraska Family Alliance launched a petition effort to try to get enough signatures to uh, get the city council to rescind this or put it on the uh, ballot for the people of uh, Lincoln to vote on. And uh, Nebraska Family Alliance was actually successful. They got enough signatures, and this week... Uh, Lincoln City Council said, okay, we're just going to rescind this and we're not even going to put it on the ballot. Let's begin with this soundbite that I mentioned. Uh, This is Karen Bowling of Nebraska Family Alliance telling AFN why the so-called anti-discrimination ordinance in Lincoln was bad. Clip six. The ordinance that they passed, it was really broad definitions of sex, public accommodations, sexual harassment. And what it meant then that businesses or churches and private schools would be forced to allow men who self-identify as female to use women's restrooms, locker rooms, and showers, and that also citizens, there was a review 
board that if you were found guilty or in violation, you'd be liable for thousands of dollars in fines simply for expressing, you know, their Christian beliefs. And Okay, so here is my question, Abe. Is it legal for a municipality, in this case Lincoln, Nebraska, to say and do those kinds of things to business owners and people of faith? No, it's not. It, and and th- this is this is why they <laughs> rescinded uh, this municipal ordinance almost as quickly as they passed it. Uh, municipal ordinances, state legislation, they all still have to uh, survive constitutional scrutiny. You know, so if a municipal ordin- ordinance would cause a citizen which the law recognizes corporations and businesses as corporate citizens and, and, and um, entrepreneurial citizens, um, that they have to also preserve their First Amendment freedoms. And what, what it seems clear the city of Lincoln was attempting to do was uh, to expand rights and to create statutory uh, supra, S-U-P-R-A, citizenship based on sexual orientation and gender identity. And so it, it, it's remarkable that if, shortly after they passed the ordinance uh, unanimously um, and, and the Nebraska Family Alliance's uh, petition drive, uh, it, it primarily wasn't a petition to get the city council to rescind. It was a petition to force the ordinance to be subjected to a popular vote okay. by the city's residents, the city's, uh, the citizens in the city. And the city council, instead of allowing the citizens of Lincoln, Nebraska to vote, they decided, no, we're just going to rescind this because we, we, we're we not ready to allow the citizens of our city that we are elected to serve to have a say so in what our, our municipal policies are going to be. Abe, I, I find it kind of interesting that two of the council members who voted to rescind the measure, uh, Tom Beckius and James Michael, this according to the AP, James Michael Bowers are openly gay. They voted yeah. to rescind it. And here's why. They say they voted to rescind the protection for fear the measure would not survive at the ballot box. In other <laughs> words, we know most of the people in this in this city of Lincoln, Nebraska, would be against this. You know, I, I yeah. just think, Abe, citizens are catching on. You know, the, the pro-homosexual crowd likes to put words like protection, protection right. rights. Yeah. But we yeah. know what happens when these things get in place. It is about punishing anybody yeah. who disagrees with you. Yeah, and it is literally not protecting anything. It's establishing, as I said earlier, a supra-citizenship and uh, to castigate anyone who dare deign to uh, disagree with the newly established uh, hegemonic positions. Um, it, it, it is... It is remarkable, and I hope the citizens in Lincoln are taking note, that you have city council members, city council members who know that a policy that they were seeking to adopt would not pass muster by the voters. Yet, what is going to invariably occur is that they're going to try to find ways to impose this upon the citizens of Lincoln, even though they know they don't want it. Mm. Abe, let me just ask you kind of a, uh, I guess, a procedural uh, question when it comes to laws like this. Um, it was not going to survive constitutional muster. Okay, so that's kind of the sentiment that led to them rescinding their own ordinance. Uh, how would a challenge based on constitutional issues uh, uh, come up? Would would you could any citizen 
challenge the constitutionality of this law or would they have to wait to uh, to fall victim to it first? Well, well, let, let's go back a little bit. So first, the city council rescinded it, not because they, they were afraid of a legal challenge in court. If they persisted with keeping the ordinance as voted on, the referendum that secured over 18,000 signatures by the Nebraska Family Alliance would have forced it to be put on the ballot. Okay. So they rescinded it because they knew that it would fail at the ballot box. Now, to get to your procedural question, let's say hypothetically they did move forward with this and um, the procedure in Lincoln would then, if you have those who oppose it, the voters would vote on it, right? So if the citizens of the city of Nebraska voted for it in favor of it, that would be the citizens participating and supporting it. But that still wouldn't be the end of the story because let's say if you had a business or let's say you had a church in Lincoln that says, wait a minute. This ordinance is going to require me to disobey the scriptures teaching that God made them both male and female. So for me to treat uh, my parishioners as the word of God requires me to do so uh, would put me in violation of this particular law. So you have the opportunity to kind of preemptively, uh, which legal term is enjoin the enforcement of the law. Uh, and depending on how that fared in court, you then would have another opportunity procedurally to challenge it. Uh, should the law take effect and then you're able to demonstrate in application how you practically have been harmed uh, by the particular law. All right. So you would not have to fall victim to the penalties of a law before you could challenge it uh, for unconstitutional grounds. Yes, you can pursue an injunction uh, and simply make the argument that my the First Amendment rights are so precious that we shouldn't have to suffer their um uh, elimination in order to adjudicate the fact that it is illegal for you to subjugate my First Amendment freedoms. Okay. Um, do you think? Well, let, let's let's get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, Nebraska Family Alliance saw an issue, and they said, "You know what? We're going to try to fight this." And I think that is a you know, despite our best efforts to try to promote this story um, today on AFN, um, not a lot of people are going to get the news that you know a traditional values group in June 2022 uh, fought something and, and was successful. A lot of times when these things happen, uh, we, the people, we, the body of Christ, go, well, that's unfortunate, and we gripe about it maybe, but we don't necessarily do anything. This group did something different. They actually organized, and, and they were successful to get uh, this thing rescinded. Does that show or should that show to people throughout our network, all the people listening today, that if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it. So you might as well try to fight and not just go, well, that's unfortunate, and go about your day. Absolutely. I'll, I'll offer you the Michael Jordan maxim. You you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> um, right. You know, duty is ours, results are the Lord's, man. We Our, our gripping, and people ask me this question all the time, the, the, the thing that animates my civic engagement is my commitment to Christ. I contend to keep the door open for the proclamation of the gospel. The Nebraska Family Alliance rightly identified this particular municipal policy's potential impact on curtailing uh, Christians' ability in that city to articulate the full counsel of the word of God. Th this is what was literally at issue there. And so hopefully this will encourage those who are listening to understand it doesn't matter what the tone or tenor of the culture at large is. I say it all the time. Statistics apply to populations, not to individuals. It doesn't matter how much the federal government goes one way. The, the mainstream media, which I unaffectionately call Goebbels Inc., goes one way. We must contend where God has planted us. 
And if you have the opportunity to stand uh, where you live and where you are, you have to take that opportunity uh, because the Lord is not ignorant of the fact that he not only saved you, but placed you in a country where it is a constitutional republic with democratic features. One of the major features of constitutional republicanism is the, the separation of powers and the locality of government. The government that is closest to you has the greatest impact on your lives. So if and when you see these things happening, take uh, the Nebraska Family Alliance's lead and stand right where you live. Uh, that's a great, a great reminder, Abe, for why Christians and, and how Christians can remain salt and light in a country that is struggling with uh, moral decay and spiritual darkness. Thank you, Abe. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate all you do for the body of Christ and obviously for American Family Association. Thank you, Abe. Thank you, guys. Take all care. right. We look forward to your show tonight. That's Abraham Hamilton III, General Counsel for AFA and host of the Hamilton Corner, heard weekdays at 5 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Uh, Chris, uh, I want to give you an opportunity. You mentioned AFN yes. a number of times. That stands for American Family News. Tell our listeners just a little bit about that. Maybe that they've heard that for the first time yes. and uh, what it is and how they can gain access to the great content you guys have. Available. Thank you very much. Uh, American Family News or AFN.net. That is the website uh, that we have here in our news service at American Family Association. Um, at the top of every hour on our network and stations carrying AFN news, um, you'll hear stories on the radio. Those stories wind up on our website, AFN.net. Uh, we also have a ton of other content, uh, AP headlines, Associated Press headlines. We've got political cartoons. Uh, the legendary Rusty Pugh uh, is in charge of a, a section called Latest from the Web, where he scours the Internet and finds things uh, to put on our website. Uh, so that way you don't have to surf the web and try to find things to uh, equip yourself and uh, inform yourself about. We also have opinions. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can take away from AFN.net. Uh, Fred also uh, posts uh, Associated Press videos. Those tend to get a lot of clicks. Right now I'm looking at the website, Thousands Evacuate Yellowstone Park After Flooding. We've got a video from the AP on the special election you guys discussed in Mexico or featuring Mexican-born uh, Congresswoman-elect Mara Flores. There's a lot of things for you to find on AFN.net. So it's not just what you hear on the radio. It's what you can also find in print. All right. Good. Good job. All right. Let's move on to the next story, Chris. I want, I want to uh, circle back to use an, an old, old-school phrase from the former White House press secretary uh, to something involving gas prices because it's important people hear this because Joe Biden and people that work for him will continue to blame uh, high prices for a few, uh, fuel and food on Vladimir Putin. It, we often hear about this is how Putin's price hike. Right. It's all because of Vladimir Putin and because his country invaded Ukraine back in February that uh, you've been paying higher prices for things for the last year and a half. Somehow it's all Vladimir right. Putin's fault. Um, and I spoke with an economist yesterday from the Heritage Foundation. His name is E.J. Antoni, uh, and he told me um, – and AFN, that the war in Ukraine has had a very limited impact on prices. Clip two. It has been our response to the war in Ukraine that has had a, a large impact, and it has been what we did before the war in Ukraine that has had a large impact. So, for example, if you look at just the – if we go back to the month of March and we look at the inflation report, which was particularly horrendous for that month, but we've now exceeded that with the latest CPI numbers – but at the time, that was the highest number in about 41 years. 
the amount of inflation that was already baked into the cake, meaning how much the CPI had already risen, accounts for something like 85% of the March number. Then on top of that, if you simply take a trend line of where inflation was heading over the previous months, that accounts for a total of 95% of the inflation we saw in March. In other words, only about 5% of that inflation was unexpected that we would that we would essentially attribute to the war in Ukraine. Another way to phrase that is the administration is using Russia as a scapegoat. Well, Fred, that that kind of information that we just heard, uh, I think, although most Americans probably could not point to those numbers, that's the first I've heard of those kinds of percentages. Uh, I think they felt it in their gut yeah. that, that this was already happening. This is an excuse, and that's why Biden's numbers continue to plummet in terms of favorability. Yeah, the prices of gas were already going up before the war in Ukraine started. Uh, here, here's where most people are. Uh, most people get up in the morning, work hard all day, try to spend a little time with their family, uh, do some grocery shopping, fill up the car, gas. They hope to go on a little vacation right. during the summertime. Uh, here's the reality. When Donald Trump was in office... They could do all those things, and it wasn't painful. Right. Now it is painful. Now they are having to cancel uh, vacations uh, because they can't afford the gas. Uh, you know, as we heard, I think it was yesterday, we heard from this doctor in Savannah, Georgia. He's a neurosurgeon. Yeah. He has patients in that area of Georgia who are having to decide, you know, they're on Social Security or whatever the case may be. They're having to decide, do I spend this money on groceries or do I spend it on doing a follow-up with my doctor? Yeah, because they got to travel 90 miles. They have to travel to see 90 miles. a specialist. Miles. So that's the, they had this world under Donald Trump. And I'm not putting Donald Trump on a pedestal. The economy was good because right. he was a, he's a businessman, understood things, make America great again. Part of that plan was to make us economically independent. What Joe Biden did, he comes along, he's, and he goes to, you know, to his friends at the, in the European Union and says, America's back with you. Yeah. You know what he was saying there? Um, we're just going to sit back here and you guys can dictate policy to us. Listen, folks, when you hear climate change plan, this goes a long way towards where we are today. Right. We heard Joe Biden in the last few weeks, I think we played the clip again yesterday, saying that we're in a transition here in America. And basically what he's saying, he really doesn't feel too bad about gas prices being high. He doesn't because he wants everybody to start thinking about electric cars. That's part of his green plan. You remember one of the, who, who was the Democrat that said early on in this discussion of inflation, somebody, one of them said uh, the American people can afford to pay a little bit more the gas pump. You guys remember? I'm uh, sure it was a Democrat. Yeah. Well, um, the guy that is the chief of staff at the White House, Ron Klain, I believe Ron his Klain. name is, he talked about how, you know, this is like wealthy people problems or, you know, like early. Yeah. A lot of people have made just uh, silly comment. I want to use another word, but silly uh, right. comments uh, when it comes to inflation. And they're all going to pay the price for it, uh, well, at least some of their colleagues, for sure. And we're probably going to hear from the Federal Reserve today that interest rates... Uh, the prime rate is probably going to go up another, what, 0.75%? Yeah, it could be a big jump. The reason they want to uh, increase the interest rate is to try to slow the amount of money that's just out there. 
Uh, because yeah. the definition of inflation is you got uh, too many dollars chasing too few goods. So the idea from the Fed is that if we raise the interest rates, it's going to maybe slow that down a little bit. And then in a at some point in the near future, you might see uh, prices falling. But uh, if energy prices continue to go up, uh, that's probably not going to make that big of a difference. Well, and the uh, the price of borrowing money increases when yeah. the Fed increases interest rates, which can constrict the economy further. And that's why there's been these whispers about recession. Oh, of course. You can have what's called stagflation. We had that in the 70s, where typically you have either inflation or you have recessionary pressures uh, where you have a lack of expansion. With stagflation, you can have both. You can have a recession. You can have a shrinking of the economy, a stagnating of the economy while prices are going up at the same time. And that's a double whammy. That's 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 real pain. Mm -hmm. Yes. For uh, Americans. Here's one unfortunate situation. Uh, It's just in Ohio at the moment, although I'm sure it's probably going to be something we'll be talking about uh, in the coming weeks if gas prices continue to climb. Um, You've got one police department, it looks like, in South Zanesville, Ohio. Uh, The police chief was on Fox and Friends today, and he said he's having to park his cars now, police cars, because of the price of gas. Clip four. We're not as visible as we normally want to be, and we like to move around through our village and uh, let people see us. Have a lot of older folks, retirees that that love to see our cruisers uh, drive through uh, the trailer parks and in the residential areas. Stationary patrol is where an officer would uh, be in an area where he believes would be more visible uh, to the community, uh, like a parking lot that is near the road or in a residential area where he's uh, visible through high traffic and uh, people can see him. Uh, or her that's uh, driving the patrol car, and they could just sit there and be observant and, and be seen. And Yeah, so that's just another example. I, I mean, this is real. Uh, they have to pay to put gas in those patrol cars. Well, and their and, budgets are usually set, you know, in you know, September right. or whatever. Year. For a year. Yeah. And, and, they, and you can run out. And this is not the only community. We've seen story after story now of police departments that have already burned through their yearly budget yeah. uh, for fuel for their vehicles. And so this this has an impact on, on law enforcement. You just you just stop and think about it. You know, state police right. that patrol our, our interstates, uh, they're going to run into the same problem. Yeah. Uh, this, this has a tremendous impact, and I don't think Joe Biden is going to be able to squirm out from underneath this or the Democrats. And the Democrats know it. We had yeah. a story earlier in the week. There are Democrats out there campaigning right now for this fall who are sounding more like Republicans. Yeah. Uh, there's, they're, they're, they're not pro- trying to prop up Joe Biden. In fact, I, here's a prediction. I doubt Joe Biden's going to be out uh, on the campaign trail very much. Who who would who would benefit if you're a Democrat? Who would benefit by having a president who is hitting? Who was it? Somebody was it? You or Steve talked about the uh, favorability ratings, the poll results on Biden. Is he at the worst ever at for this historic yeah. low for this uh, yeah. this time? Gallup in, in has presidents. him. Gallup has him. Uh, I believe the lowest they've uh, ever had in doing their uh, kind yeah. of research for midterm. For yeah, for for this. 
point in time in a uh, brand new administration yeah. before the midterm. So who benefits from having a vastly unpopular president on the campaign trail with you? First of all, it's not like he's a Donald Trump who can fire up the crowds. Okay. He, he is uh, a terrible speaker mm -hmm. and he's constantly fumbling so you're not even get the benefit of an inspiring stump speech, but then you have, I mean, he's, he's going to become the prototypical was it, uh, albatross around the neck of anyone running for Congress. If they have him at a campaign. Stop. Um, now Carter was before I was born. Um, so thank you for calling us old. Yes. Uh, well, I'm older than I want to be, but, um, uh, anyway, that, so Carter was, yes, he was Carter, back on Carter. Before, yeah. Back on Carter. Um, my mind went nuclear, uh, as he used to say. But anyway, was it this bad for Carter in like '78? Um, oh yeah, in '80. Oh, yeah. Like, did he go out and camp? I know he didn't get out of the Oval much, uh, but well, did he campaign for people? Well, he also had the. Not only was the economy in the dumper, but also he had the hostages in Iran. Right. And along comes Ronald Reagan, uh, who says, you know, basically uh, paraphrasing, going to make America great again. Yeah. Uh, we're going. I, I will never forget this. Was it was it the, uh, the, the inauguration day of Ronald Reagan? The Iranians released the hostages yes. just that day because he basically pointed a gun at the Iranians and said, yeah. they're going to be released or. Yeah, this is an act of war. Yes. It was their embassy. The embassies are traditionally considered the sovereign soil of the country. So it, it was an act of war. Yeah. And I think in back channels, they made that clear to yeah. uh, the mullahs. Yes. And and that's the difference between having somebody in office who is about to be in, in office in terms of uh, Reagan, who you you respect yeah. as being someone who's going to punch back. Yeah. So, all right. We are going to take a five-minute break for news. You are listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. We will return. Steve Jordahl will have more about what's happening here and abroad. Again, five-minute break for news. And we shall return. Please join us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.